Welcome to Life Church. My name is Dylan Johnson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is so good to be with you today. I want to thank Pastor Aaron for giving me the opportunity to speak today and bring the second part of our series, Leave Your Mark. Leave your mark. During the series, we're talking about leaving a legacy for those behind us once we leave this earth. And so today we're going to continue talking about that in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, that would be fantastic. Um, in Luke chapter 12, there's some, some powerful, powerful stuff uh, that, that Jesus is having to work through and deal with regarding finances in people's hearts and in people's minds, how they view finances in this world. Uh, for me, particularly, growing up, I um, had four specific things I wanted to be uh, that I dreamed that one day I would get to be this, I, I would be this for my life and for my career. And um, that I, I wanted to play in the NFL, I wanted to be a doctor, I wanted to be a lawyer, and then the last thing, um, I, I wanted to be a professional wrestler in the WWE. Um, listen, I get it. That one may not have panned out quite just yet, but th they were all set up. I, I wanted to do each of those because of what, how I viewed them in status and how I viewed that they made a certain amount of money and how I viewed that they um, were, were appreciated in this world. The, the TV dramas about doctors and the movies about lawyers and watching football every Sunday, it, they, they got me energized to shoot after those goals because I wanted to achieve, accrue, and accumulate for my life. If I've got to be honest, from a young age, I have been driven by money. And, and, and I think we all have had some sort of struggle like this in our lives. In fact, all of our society is built on what we can accumulate and accrue in this world. Everything we do, it, it, we have to ask ourselves, am I allowing money to rule me? I have to ask myself this question today. Am I allowing money to rule my life? You see, it creeps up ever so quietly, regardless of how many times you've made the decision that all of your finances are God's and you're gonna trust him in it regardless of what happens. The desire and the decision to let money rule you can creep up. In the midst of this pandemic with my finances in flux and having a kid and buying a house, will I let my finances and the state of where I'm at rule me or will I allow God to provide? Will I hold on, and I know this may not, not connect with some of you, but will I choose to uh, uphold the missions pledge I made back in January that I felt God dropped in my heart, God full knowing that this whole year would go the way it has, or will I chalk it up to this year being 2020 and my finances are in flux, so I can't uphold that pledge. You see, I think uh, often I, I personally have to have this conversation with myself of what rules my life? Is it money? Is it God? Is it my family? Is it my home? Is it what I can get? Or, and I already mentioned it, but is it God? Is God the ruler, judge, director of my life or is it something else. You see, all of our society, all of kingdoms, all of governments, they're built upon money. How much they can get, 
how much they can accumulate, how, how much they can have. And then, then you hear about the economy and it's up and it's down and it's this way and that way. And, and everything is built in our society upon this concept of finances. And yet in the kingdom of God, that's not the case. In this world, it's all about what we can get, but in God's kingdom, it's all about what we can give. In this world, it's all about how much we can stack up, but in God's world, it's about how we can serve others. You see, even Jesus went to such great extents that his whole life was not going to be about how lavishly he could live in a kingdom on this world, but how he could serve others while he was here in order to prepare for the kingdom to come. Jesus said this in in the book of Matthew. He said that I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Some even dubbed the kingdom of God as the upside down kingdom because what Jesus did was he flipped everything on its head and said the way you view this world, the way you view life, uh, flip it on its head and that's how the kingdom of God functions. And so Jesus would say things like this, whoever wants to be great among you must become the least. Whoever is first shall be last and last shall be first. He said this, whoever wants to be great among you must be the servant of all. Jesus was all about flipping things on its head and say, no, 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 you're viewing this all incorrectly. And so when our world, when our world is all about getting, 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 and, and accruing and accruing and accruing and accumulating more and more, and, and we're going into Christmas season and it's all about what gifts I get, Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not about what you can get. It's rather what you can give. And here in Luke chapter 12, we see Jesus addressing this mindset of getting more and more and accumulating more and more and building up your own name and status and fame. And Jesus is there in Luke chapter 12, and he's walking with a crowd, it says. And while he's with this crowd, someone runs up to him and says, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Jesus responds, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who, who made me judge or arbiter between you and your brother? In fact, he, he goes on and he begins to say, be on guard against all kinds of greed. For this world, this life is not about accumulating an abundance of possessions. He then launches into a parable about a rich man who had a lot of crops and the harvest was plentiful this year and he was getting ready to store his his harvest and he didn't have enough space to store it. And so the parable, Jesus says, um, he he began to do something in order to make more space. He uh, began to tear down his barns to build bigger barns to store extra grain. And after doing so, in Luke chapter 12, verse 19, The man says this, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You've got plenty, so take it easy, kick back, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. As we go throughout this story today in this parable, in this passage here in Luke chapter 12, um, I I want us to contrast the, the living for this world or living for God. Living rich in this world or living rich towards God. And if we want to live rich towards God, the first thing we have to do is give God the credit. We have to give God the credit. Here in the story, this man, in this parable that Jesus is telling to all of these people around him, this man was all about himself. I have a great harvest. I've got plenty. I've got more than I could even eat or need for my loved ones and my family. So so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rip out my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to have more stuff. 
You see, he began to take all the credit for himself. Verse 19 there, he, he said, oh, I've got a lot. I'm just going to kick back, relax. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live. I've got grain stored up for years, he said. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. You see, the primary issue here isn't with having a lot. The issue was with who got the credit for having a lot. But doesn't this sound a lot like our world? It's about the job. It's about the title. It's about getting that promotion. It's about getting that pay raise. It's about what you can get. It's about how much you can have. It's about your name. It's about how, are you going to be honored? Are you going to be respected? Are, are you going to be elevated? It, doesn't that sound like what we are all chasing after? And yet here Jesus kind of contrasts that with living rich towards God. And he says, no, 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 no. This man was all about himself, but rather we were designed, created to give God credit. Because here's the deal about the job. Here's the deal about the title. Here's the deal about that next promotion. Here's the deal about the corner office overlooking downtown Milwaukee. Here's the deal about it all. It cannot fulfill you. Oh, it's going to make you happy. It's going, to, it's going to maybe fix things for a little bit, but it'll never fulfill you. Yeah, it'll maybe make you feel good for a moment, but it won't fulfill you for eternity. So the question is, what are you chasing after? Are you living rich in this world or rich towards God? What is your primary focus? For if we're all being real today, we're playing with house money anyways. It's all God's. He's the one that gave us the ability to wake up this morning. He, he's the one that gave us the breath to, to, to have the oxygen in our lungs to be able to function in, the, in this day the way that we wanted to. He's the one that enabled our brains to, to, to work in such a way that we could innovate and create and design and, and that we could, we could work those spreadsheets and we could place people specifically in their positions so that they could fulfill the roles that we need them to fulfill to enable to uh, maximize the amount of productivity in our business. Isn't it God that designed us that way Anyways, that before we even knew anything of this world, he was knitting us together in our mother's womb. That, that isn't it God that enabled us to have what we have in the first place? Thus, shouldn't we then turn around and give him the credit for what we have today? In fact, you can look in the New Testament and Paul says, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. That even the most basic and mundane task, we should do it so as that we were elevating God's name, that we were bringing glory to God, and that we were giving him credit for everything we have is his in the first place. It's only right that we honor God with what we have, for it's all his. Immediately after boasting in his own uh, stuff and, and in what he's done and in his accomplishments, this, in this parable, the man eats, he drinks, he's merry, he's happy, he's relaxing, he's chilling. The story gets a little bit more scary, gets a little bit more frightening. Jesus takes it for a sharp turn. And there in verse 20, it says, but God said to him, you fool, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. The second thing we see here is if you want to be rich towards God, you have to give God your best. Give God your best. For this man, he kept the best to himself. Oh, I've got an abundance of grain. I'm going to store it up. Uh, I've got way too much for this year. I'm going to store it up. I'm going to have plenty for many more years. I'm just going to relax. And then he dies. 
The question is, what good does all that grain do now that he's passed away? How does it benefit him? What did keeping the best for himself do for him in the end? For once he had stored it all up, he passed away, and what good did it do? It reminds me of another story um, in, in Genesis chapter 4 uh, about giving your best. There's, there's Cain and Abel, and they're there, and they're giving their offerings to God. And, and, and the story goes that, that Cain brought an offering of some fruits, and Abel brought an offering of the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock. And they both brought the offerings, and the story goes that God looked upon Abel's offering with pleasure and with honor, and he looked upon Cain's offering with displeasure. Cain gets very angry about this and begins to question, hey, I I also brought an offering, God. Mine should should have been honored the same way. And while scholars go back and forth as to why God accepted one and rejected the other, the differences don't quite leap off the page to us. You could read the whole book of Genesis and still be questioning, why did God reject one and accept the other. For the difference is subtle. And I think it's in the subtlety that makes all of the differences in our lives. For those who are rich and those who are poor, for those who have much and for those who have little, for those who have great and for those who do not, the difference is not about how much you have, but rather it's in the subtlety. For in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews references back to the story of Cain and Abel, and it says, by faith, Abel brought his offering. You see, the difference wasn't this difference that leapt off the page. It wasn't an outward difference. It wasn't a difference of of how good the offering was, and, and, and we could dive into all the details and still scholars debate as to whether or not there were great differences in the type of offering they brought, but the main difference was in the heart. By faith, Abel brought his offering. By faith. It reminds me of another story that Jesus is with his disciples and he's overlooking people giving in an offering. And he sees all of these rich people with all the money bags coming and dropping off tons of money. And they're doing it and they're making a show of it. And it's all about how much they're giving in this widow. With two small coins comes and drops them both off in the offering. And immediately Jesus stops, looks to the people around him and says, hey, today this widow, this woman gave more than anyone else. For it wasn't about the amount. For very clearly she did not give near as much as anybody else. Rather it was about the heart. The difference is subtle. You see, the difference in this story, the parable that Jesus is telling uh, about this rich man who had a lot of harvest, the difference was subtle. The difference wasn't that he had a lot. That wasn't the issue. The the problem wasn't that he was rich. That, That wasn't the issue. The problem was how he kept the best for himself. The problem was he trusted in his own ability to provide and, uh, for his life. The problem was his faith was not in God, but rather in himself. This is the, the, the big difference in living for this world or living for the riches of the kingdom of God is are we living for ourselves or are we living for God? And that will show us, that will determine where we place our best. For Jesus says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So where is your heart? For that determines where you're giving your best. 
Where are you giving your best? For that determines who's really leading and directing your life. Where are you giving your best time? For that really determines what's most important. Where are you giving your best talent? For that really reveals who runs your life. Where are you giving your treasure? For that really determines and shows where your heart is placed and who you truly trust. Will you give God your best or will you keep it for yourself? See, I, for one, often have to argue with myself of will I give God the best or will I give him my leftovers? Long ago, my wife and I made the decision that we were going to continually, often, and always give God our best. That's why when it comes to miracle offerings, when it comes to one day to feed the world, when it comes to fire Bible offerings, when it comes to uh, any special offering, when, when I hear a missionary speak, when we're at an event and I, I, there's an offering that is is about to go up that I give in that offering. And, and I know, I know, I, I'm not the richest person in the room. I don't have all of the, the resources to provide for this moment. And I know, I know this, that not everyone can do something, that, that not, not, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. That no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And I want to be a part of doing something. And so I give. My wife and I every year for the last several years have made a, a missions goal at the beginning of the year that we're going to give our tithe, our 10% to God, but then we're also going to give above and beyond that because we want to see lives change around the corner and around the world. That's why our students are even catching this vision. And you see our, our, our kids, our elementary kids giving to BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Cl uh, Challenge, and they're, they're giving so that, that, that families in Haiti can have food, clean water, and they can hear the gospel of Jesus. That's why our teenagers on Wednesday nights and Monday nights over at Brookfield campus are giving to Speed the Light. And, and through Speed the Light, we're, they're digging water wells in Africa, that, and those water wells will be placed near churches and so that when people are walking to get clean water for their families they will then hear the gospel of Jesus Christ given in a message that someone will give a message of Jesus to their lives and their lives will be changed not just through water but through Jesus the living water Ah, I could get to preaching on this you see our students are catching this our students are catching that finances can't rule our lives because there's a greater mission at play here we're going to give God our best we're going to trust that he has a better plan. He's got it under control. You see, it's the difference between earthly investments and heavenly investments. My earthly investments, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. I give to my retirement. I put, I put money back for my future. I put money back for my kid. I put money back for my family. And yet at the end of the day, none of that reaps the return that investing in heavenly things returns with. None of that has the same harvest that investing in heavenly things has a harvest with. The, the way we tell students in Life Church Youth is, hey, you, you may not see the difference your dollars given to missions has in this world, but you'll get to heaven one day. And I can't even imagine how those those dollars I gave to missions over all of those years, one day I'll, be, I'll meet somebody in heaven and I'll hear their story of how they came to know Jesus and it was because of some missions offering taken in the middle of Wisconsin that their lives were forever changed because some missionary had the ability to take the gospel to them and I participated in that offering. I can't tell you the return on the investment that we'll have. I'm going to give God my best. We daily have to make this decision. Will we give God our best or will we give God the rest? Will we give God our best or will we give God 
our leftovers? Will we live for temporary happiness or will we live for eternal joy? Will we live for temporary investments or will we live for eternal investments? For temporary investments bring temporary happiness and eternal investments bring eternal joy. And yet when we talk like this, the question arises, what if I don't have enough? What if I choose to trust God with my money and it just doesn't seem to be balancing out? Can I just be real with you? I empathize with that because that's the way I am designed. That's the way my brain works. I I have to fight the urge to refresh my budgeting app multiple times a day, questioning if we have enough money. I'm the guy that's always trying to balance the budget sheet. I'm the guy that's always trying to ensure that our family is is preparing for the future. I'm the guy that's always looking at the finances of our, so I get it. So, So the question of what if I don't have enough reigns in my life all of the time, and yet I come back to this story and Jesus continues after he concludes the parable he looks to the people around him and it says this in verse 22 then Jesus said to his disciples therefore I tell you do not worry do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body what you will wear for life is more than food and your and the body more than clothes consider the ravens They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And and how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? The last thing we see here in this story and in this passage is that if we want to live rich towards God, we have to give God our worries. Give God your worries. Jesus makes it ever so clear. Give it to him. What's worth worrying about? You see, point number one and point number two, give God the credit and give God your best. They work because we can give God our worries. And so when we're giving God our best, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about where where the next meal will come from. We don't have to worry about how this is all going to play out. For in the end, can I just help you out? In the end, God wins. In the end, he wins. And so my investments into what God is doing is bigger than just my life and my family and my future. It's, it's, it's about him and his plan and his kingdom. Do not worry. Do not worry. You see, worry, it's, it's natural. You're going to have nights where you worry about your kid coming home late. Your kid's going to start driving for the first time. And they're going to be driving to school or to some other function and you'll worry Your kid's going to go off to college and you're going to worry if they'll make decisions that align with how you raise them. Your your family's going to go through times where you lean towards worrying and and to worry's not bad, but to be a worrier is problematic. To worry is not wrong, but what we do with that worry is what really matters. Will we give it to God or will we allow it to run our lives? This is the ultimate trust test. Of, of will I allow God to rule my worry? Will I surrender it to him? Will I lift it to him? Will, will I allow God to rule even in the midst of my worry? It's the ultimate trust test. We, we all ask this, do we have enough? We all ask, but what if? We, we all ask these questions and Jesus says to you and Jesus says to me, look at the ravens. For they don't have anything to sow. And they don't have anything to reap. In fact, 
They don't have storerooms or barns. In 21st century, Jesus would say something like, they don't have 401ks, they don't have Roth IRAs, they don't have investments, they don't, they're not in the stock market, they aren't working a nine to five. No, 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 they don't have any of that, and yet still God provides. And then he says this, and I absolutely love this, and how much more valuable are you than they? How much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? You see, if Jesus will take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields, he'll take care of you and he'll take care of me. The what ifs will occur. The what ifs will happen. We'll be scared, we'll worry, But what we do with that worry is what truly matters. So when I begin to ask, what if the worst happens? What if my family does this? What if my finances take a dip? What if my job is lost? Or what if there is no promotion or is no future? What if my, what if this, when we get into the what ifs, we can let that take over or we can recognize that all of this that we have here in this world is temporary. So whether I have much or I have little, regardless, it's temporary. And so I could take all the credit and I could build my name and I could, I could elevate myself and attempt to achieve the highest possible level of whatever human levels there are on this planet. Or I could live my life in order to maximize the glory and magnify uh, of God and magnify his name. I could keep the best for myself and and really store it up and try to to plan and prepare and prep and, and worry about it all. And I could really take the best and put it in my pocket and maybe give God some leftovers, if anything. Or I could truly invest in heavenly things and in heavenly missions and in heavenly goals and taking the gospel around the corner and around the world to see lives change and souls saved. And I can invest in things that will stand the test of time. Or I can invest in the here and now that will only be temporary. I can choose to worry. And I can lose countless hours of sleep. I could get crazy amounts of acne from all of the worry. I could eat myself to, to overweight because of how much I'm worrying. Or I can choose to trust God with my life and my situations. And I can choose to give him my worry. See, whether I have nice cars or the Jordans or, or whether I have the money to fix my house when this happens or, or whether I have the newest this or the, all of the, the features that I've ever dreamed of, whether I have all of that or I have none of that, regardless, it's all temporary. So where will I invest my life? And I've learned this, that whether I die with little or I die with much, at the end of the day, I still die. And so the question is not what am I going to have when I die, but the question is what will I have invested in the kingdom of God when I pass away? St. Augustine says this, and I found this so powerful this week as I was preparing. Find out how much God has given you, and from it take what you need. The remainder is needed by others. Find out how much God has given you and from it, take what you need. The remainder is needed by others. And so I ask you today, what type of legacy do you want to leave? How do you want to leave your mark upon this world? Do you want to be rich in this world or do you want to be rich towards God? I challenge you today. 
to take the steps necessary, not just to accrue and accumulate as much as you can in this world, but to invest it properly in the kingdom of God, to see lives changed and souls saved and to be rich in the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me today? Lord, we love you and we thank you. And today we ask that you would speak to each and every single one of our hearts, that we would not be selfish, that we would not choose to take all the credit for ourselves, making it all about us, but God, that we would recognize that you truly do reign. You truly do rule and you truly are sovereign. And so whether we have much or we have little, we give you credit for what we've got. Whether we succeed or we fail, we give you credit for our breath each day. We honor you by elevating your name and magnifying who you are. God, we choose to give you our best, not just to give you what's left, not just to give you the leftovers, not just to give you the rest, but we choose to give you the best, the first, the fat portions of the firstborn as we read in Genesis. We choose to give you the best. We choose to honor you by recognizing that our best invested in you is far greater than anything invested here on this world. And so we give you our best in our time and in our talent and in our treasure, recognizing that you can do more with our little than we could ever do with a lot. And God, we choose to also give you our worry. For what is worry going to do? How is worry going to benefit us? It's not going to add a single hour to our lives. And so we give our worry to you. We ask that you would rule and reign in our lives. Give us the confidence to trust in you. As Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that we'll trust in you, that you'll make our path straight, that you'll guide and direct us. We'll lean so heavily upon you that if you were to move, that we would fall. Lord, we choose not to worry, but to trust in you. And we choose to live rich towards your kingdom, to live rich towards God and not rich in this world. For this is temporary. This is momentary. And it's but a wisp and a vapor in the wind. So we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We trust in you. We love you. We thank you. We give you all glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.